This is The Shift Podcast. Are you okay with strange pulsing orbs? Or what about drinking booze, beer at 7-Eleven? Also on the podcast, we learn about the world's longest hockey game from one of my old buddies who played in it. His name's Troy Schaub. He chats about his experience and the impact all of this has in the community. We take a shift throwback Thursday to 1985. In case you missed it, with producer Ryan Typo O'Donnell, Boris Johnson's uh, little new comedy routine, the, you know, the, the Prime Minister from the UK. Also, crazy Nintendo news and candles that smell like sneakers. Download it from your favorite podcast places, like it, click the little heart thing, share it with your friends. That would be awesome for us. How's your moon dial doing? Uh, it should be going doing good. I'm going to try something uh, interesting here. So hopefully it sounds okay. Uh, just okay. In, the, it's an experimental uh, art moon dial. One sec. Right. Oh. Well, headphones off. He's running away from his chair. Hey, moon dial! Hey! Hey, over here! No, you're too far away. You're too far away. How about now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me How about now? now? Can you hear me now? Hey! <laughs> That probably didn't work. No, it did. You could hear you. Actually, although ironically, it sounded no different than when you just turn your head off the microphone. Um, it was yeah. very clear. <laughs> so uh, that was a lot of work that for we enjoyed on the Zoom call, but I think it sounded the same to the audience. I will acknowledge uh, it was really cool to see the uh, vacuum uh, going on in the background outside the studio uh, there a second ago. So either there's a cleaner there or you have a ghost. Either uh, way. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a, it's a cleaner. Yeah. She, All right. They are a cleaner. They are, they are a cleaner. Um, hey, uh, that means we're good to go with Are You Okay? Are you okay? I feel like we should be more dramatic. Are you okay with whooshing noises? <laughs> uh, yeah, I like whooshing noises. Um, I... Yeah, one of my favorite whooshing noises is uh, this one from uh, Russia's twenty one twelve. It's a very curious one, isn't it? Though, spacey, it's mysterious. Yeah, this little spacey there. Yeah, which I understand why it uses the intro for Space Star Radio. Uh, here, I'll help you with the drama thing. Uh, In a world where there's not enough whooshing noises around every corner, one man seeks to find them all. His name is Shane Hewitt. Coming soon. I love whooshing noises. I love them. Right. Absolutely love them. Put them in all my music. All right. <laughs> Ooh, a warble. That's a nice. That's a nice. It's one. Kind of funky, nice. sexy thing going on there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I, that wasn't the first clip, though, was it? Do we have a whole? No, that clip? that was the first clip. That was. The I first like that clip. one. Okay, cool. I, I like that one. That's cool. I mean, that's got a little sort of. I feel like there could be a saxophone or something coming in on the end of that one. Nice. What about this one? Elisa, a Louisiana man captured some unusual footage on Monday. A series of strange pulsing orbs shooting across power lines. The eerie site came complete with some sound effects, too. This is from CBS 4 News. Power Boulevard was without power Monday after a transformer failed nearby. And you can hear this. It almost sounded like a tornado, like, you know. Christopher Fitzmorris was working in the area and went outside to see what was happening. Not believing what he saw, he got his phone and pressed record. I guess my wife actually said it the best. It was like uh, a road runner on running from a lightning strike or something, you know. It's just, it was crazy. I've never seen anything. I've seen Transformers blow. I've seen Catch on Fire. I've seen all type of stuff, but I've never seen electrical lines do that. Others also caught the chaos on camera, which caused bushes to catch fire and traffic lights to fall off their stands. It also left about 10,000 customers without power for hours. And with temperatures falling, people had to find alternative ways to stay warm. That happened okay. on Power Boulevard. <laughs> power, power Boulevard. I, I've, never, um, I've never seen a tornado or been close to a tornado, like as described by our, uh, our fella right there. And um, I have to tell you, that to me is the, if that's going to give me the example of what a tornado sounds like, I, I had no idea that a tornado sounded like, woo. Like, woo. Like can you play, play the beginning of that clip again for me, Matt? I really want to be clear on what does a tornado sound like. 
Power Boulevard was without power Monday after a transformer failed nearby. And you could hear this. It almost sounded like a tornado, like, you know. Okay. Now I know. If I ever hear, whoa, whoa, in the basement, tornado. Um, okay. The glowing orbs were caused by a power surge released as a transformer failed, which is funny because he said he's seen transformers failed before, but this was amazing. Uh, in Kenner, a suburb of Nolens. Um, whoa. Whoa. So let's take that. Whoa. And let's start with this next story and this out of context clip for you. Two of my favorite Helen Hunt movies. Oh! Twister. Is <laughs> <laughs> you're my favorite Helen of uh, Helen Hunt movie is Twister? Yeah. I love it. Play that again, please, Maddie. Two of my favorite Helen Hunt movies. Oh! Twister. It's true, actually. It's a pretty good Helen Hunt movie. Are you okay with twisters? Now, I'm curious, does a twister sound different than, whoa, a tornado? Unsure. Ooh. Well, let's find out. I would say that right. each, maybe a twister is a wah, and a tornado is a woo. Could be. Solving science on the shift. A North Carolina woman's dog returned home. Hours after getting sucked into a tornado. <laughs> Wonder if it was the one that went over Power Boulevard. Uh, this report from NBC Local 5 News. Many people in the path of the tornado are grateful to be alive tonight, and that includes some of the four-legged family members. The winds from the tornado, so powerful, it sucked a small dog right out of this home. Brittany Memory says when she heard what sounded like a freight train outside the house, she barely had enough time to grab her young son and get inside a closet. Within seconds, she realized her Yorkshire Terrier was gone. When I looked and I didn't have time, if I'd have waited even a second, me and my son would have been out the back door and I didn't have time to grab Penny and she went flying with my, you can see our mattress, I actually had a headboard, sheets, covers, all of that good stuff that went flying out with her. She was just bundled up in it. Um, once it was over, she was actually missing for a few hours. Brittany says she immediately took Penny to the vet to get her checked up. Aside from being uh, sort of traumatized, she says Penny is physically doing fine. <laughs> sort of traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> the dog got sucked into a tornado. That dog has seen some stuff, man. Some right? serious stuff, yeah. Tangled up in the sheets and from the headboard to boot. So it was an EF3 tornado ripped the homes off foundations and knocked 18-wheelers over on Green Bay Road in Ocean Isle Beach. A couple of miles away, the destruction was far more devastating, though. The family is just grateful. They and Penny the dog are safe. Aw. Whoa. Whoa. Well, speaking of woes, I had a kind of a like a brain tornado just, just now. Oh, really? So check this out. So we ended Technological World talking about Mario as like a giant cat. Cat, yeah. And, yeah. and then Clark and the boys call in asking whether you're a cat and dog person. Yeah. And then a dog got sucked, su in, a tornado. sucked in a tornado. Wow. Whoa. It's all connected. Life Maybe circle, there is drama man. here. Right? Right? Ghosts running the show. <laughs> Whoa. In case you're wondering. I've always wondered what a tornado sounded like. <laughs> Forget about those shows on the science channels. Are you okay? Are you okay with liquor? <laughs> Is that you or the liquor talking, Mr. Leahy? <laughs> I am the liquor. <laughs> you smell like my dad. Well, then your dad's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm generally okay with liquor, but as, you know, everything in moderation, and you'll have a good time. Yeah, everything in moderation. That's a... A drink every now and then is great, uh, and it's uh, fun to, like, become an aficionado, as it were, of, like, finer, you know, whiskey and wine and cool beer. That's that's a cool thing. Uh, but, yeah, everything in moderation. Drinking for flavor? Whoa, what's that all about? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, one of my favorite things about going to Murica is being able to go into the corner store and get 
like a giant Bud Light margarita mix thing. Yeah, Natty like they're Light huge, right? Natty Five Light. bucks, and oh. they're so good. Cold day, hello. Well, Ontario, you could be onto something. Seven Eleven is planning to serve alcohol in Ontario. Yes, which is good because the Lickbo is like never open. It's true. It's it's never open. It could be Tuesday afternoon at four, and you'll go to the Lickbo, and for some reason, it's closed. And you, you, there's nothing there. There's nothing. You got maybe the beer store, but you can't go get your liquor or your wine. And really, are we? It's 2021. Do we still need to separate our liquor and our wine so they don't fight with each other? Anyway, sorry. Sidebar. <sighs> I feel better. Preach um, Seven Eleven Canada is awaiting approval for 61 liquor store licenses that would allow in-store service of beer and wine. Oh, no liquor. Come on, man. That's a step. If approved, 7-Eleven Canada says trained servers would offer the alcoholic beverages during limited hours in designated consumption areas of the shops. Maybe they would go really, really well with that chalupa with some nacho cheese on it. The finer Mm. things in life. Global's Fraser Snowden has more details. It's a concept that is definitely turning heads. Getting a taquito with a beer from your local convenience store. I don't know. It's terribly necessary. I think there's enough, uh, you know, good uh, options for people right now. The application is asking for the ability to sell alcoholic drinks for consumption inside stores, similar to a bar or restaurant. This one here, I, I honestly think, is in left field. The idea a little confusing for some restaurant owners in the region. I think I laughed out really loud. I, I just can't honestly imagine it. This one adding he's doubtful he'll be impacted because he doesn't think it will fly. Definitely, depending on the areas of where they target and where they put this in. Um, you, you know what? I don't know if a slap in the face is the right thing to say because, again, I'm not a believer this is going to work. But it could actually happen. In a statement, 7-Eleven says this will be a great opportunity to showcase local beers and wine showcase local beers and wine and they don't think it's going to fly well according to the way are you okay is going just ask penny the dog anything can fly and um i'm pretty sure that if they're doing sampling is it really going to be a place where you and the boys sorry ladies i realize you have your thing too but i'm a dude so you and the boys after you know you go golfing right or maybe slow pitch and you're like fellas Let's do some sampling and go to get a beer at the Sev. <laughs> we'll get some hot dogs with some cheese sauce, and we'll get a Brukowski. A right? brew and a bratwurst, my bros. Let's go right for it. Can I, can I state the obvious here? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. 7-Eleven needs to sell one alcoholic beverage. One. Only one. There's only one alcoholic beverage that they need to sell, and it's vodka. And they need vodka for the only reason is Slurpees. There is nothing else that 7-Eleven needs to do to make a bajillion dollars than to offer Slurpees premixed with vodka to go. And I would say rum, but you can't do rum because rum needs real fruit juice. And I've never looked at the ingredients on a Slurpee. Uh, Just to be thorough, uh, this is an assumption on my part. There's not a lot of natural fruit juice going on there. So you choose vodka. And so if 7-Eleven, you know what, 7-Eleven, if you're listening, call me. I'll do a consulting fee for you. I will fix all your liquor problems. It is one drink. It is vodka. You sell it in your Slurpee. Cha-ching. Have a nice day. Ba-boom. There you go. I um, When they say designated consumption area in the shop, do they mean like the back where they keep all the cleaning supplies? Yeah, where else are they going to fit it? That's a great point because you have the like, usually every sev has one table by the Slurpee section. Is that going to be the brew table? And there's just going to be like an artisanal tap in the middle. I'd like to, we have a nice uh, Pilsner that's brewed locally here. Who does that? Just sell cheap beer in the front. That's all you need to do, 7 Eleven. In cans. Here's a a flight of samples for you. This one goes particularly well with our nacho cheese. Next to the the cleaning supplies and the 20-year-old whiskey. Well, that's another thing. If they're going to sell booze, they're going to have to have bathrooms. And uh, and they they already do have bathrooms, but um, 
I mean, there, there's some questionable things to be found in some 7-Eleven bathrooms. That's for sure. One of the things that's often not found in a 7-Eleven bathroom is toilet paper or a toilet seat. <sighs> I got to tell you, admit it. Admit it. If they sold beer or wine at a 7-Eleven, we would be the first ones buying it. As critical as we oh, are. You've, oh, you've completely caught me. Yeah, 100%. It's just... Uh, it, it's just a weird thing to stop. I'll stop and have a beer at 7-Eleven. That is a sentence I did not think I would say. Stop and pick up a beer to drink at home is one thing, but mm-hmm. <laughs> slamming back a natty light in the parking lot of a 7-Eleven, <laughs> that's, that's 2021, baby. Beautiful. Uh, Ed is in Vancouver. How are you, Ed? Shane, I think you're on to something here. Oh, which part? Oh, yeah. You've got the designated consumption area. Yeah. You throw a couple of disco lights in. Oh, dear. A little miniature dance floor. At 7-Eleven. And then you got the alcohol there, and you could say, can I buy you a foot long? Or oh, <laughs> could I get you a slice of pizza? Or I mean, the, the, the options are just incredible. You're telling me that all the pickup lines are just ready for you right there, right? Let me take you out to dinner. Three steps to the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I buy you a lottery ticket? Oh, there you go. I'm going to make you I'm going to make you a millionaire if you spend the night with me. <laughs> it's like pickup line central here, Ed. And you're just eliminating one step because that's pretty well the only time I ever go to 7-Eleven is when I'm coming back from a bar or something. They're just <laughs> saying, "Let us be the bar. You can come drink here and then you're already here. You need to stop in to get a snack. We're ready." That's, I think it's genius, Ed, although I will tell you that my brain got way ahead of you when you said um, one step ahead of you. That's the only time I ever go to 7-Eleven. My brain said, he's about to say what I'm trying to meet somebody. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for the call, yeah. Ed. All right, thanks. And in Vancouver, Ed's on to something there. Hey, disco ball. You've got, like, in the 7-Eleven, you've got your beer service. you got a little dance floor. You have your instant first date over here, you know, second date over here. You Ugh. probably can get some condoms in a pregnancy test if things go awry. Oh, yeah. Like, it all in one spot. Where did you How two meet? That? Oh, he took me to 7-Eleven. It was gorgeous. It was such a romantic place to get absolutely oh, yeah. bungled. Thank heaven. Right. This is the Shift Podcast. The world's longest hockey game was introduced to us on the Shift a couple of days after it started. And um, it was a surprise. We didn't know that was going on. We sort of missed that part. But Karen called us, let us know. And as Karen introduced us to the world's longest hockey game while it was going on, I looked at the roster and I found on Team White an old friend. Troy Schaub is his name. A radio uh, station, radio guy, and then a radio owner and playing up in Sherwood Park outside Edmonton in the world's longest hockey game last week. It ended on Monday morning, and I wanted to find out what it was like to be part of the game. Troy, thanks for spending some time with us. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. So I'm going to tell the story about how this started. So I know Troy from long ago. Troy's a radio guy. He's a radio nerd to a point where (laughs) – it's true. You can't deny it. Um, it, To the point where he – got the bright idea to start a radio station. And I think we'd like to hear a little bit of that because people often say, you know, radio is a public service. And I think I'd like to hear a little bit of that story coming up, but the um, it's not, it's big risk to, but you can go out and get your own. And this guy did it. But here, the reason why we're here today is that we've reconnected the world's longest hockey game. I uh, was flip. We were talking about it on the show and I was going through the roster seeing, okay, like how many goals do these guys score? Right. <laughs> and there was a guy who's, potting them left and right here and troy shop is on the list i'm like how many troy shops are there in this world there can't be very many so i sent a text message in the middle of the night thinking if this is the guy he's probably going to be up playing hockey right now the world's longest hockey game turns out i get a reply yep that's me so how did it go you played in the world's hockey game world's longest hockey game yeah it was crazy i'll tell you it was cold uh but we got through it it was uh it was something I never expected to do. Uh, was asked last fall to actually be a part of the the, the team, the roster. And back in the fall, back when uh, all the regulations were kind of a little bit softer at the time, um, you know, it was such an easy easy decision to play. But uh, 
you know, we got closer to, we got closer to February and realized the forecast was turning and, <laughs> and then all hell broke loose. So, but it was good. It was a, it was a fun, fun experience. Uh, it was hell, but it was, it was fun and obviously for a really good cause. So help us understand um, how many days was it? I guess, first of all. Yeah, it was, it was 11. It was 11 days. We dropped. 11 days. Yeah, yeah. And how much hockey did you play in 11 days? Just you? I think, I think it added up to be between 90 and 100 hours of hockey. So yeah. So basically 10 hours a day, I, eight I, to 10 hours. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we dropped the puck at, um, I think it was a little after six o'clock on, uh, on the fourth. And, uh, once that puck was dropped it, uh, the game continued right until the wee hours on, uh, on the 15th. So how long did you play nonstop for eight or 10 hours? Or did you get floods in between like a normal hockey game? Um, and did you swap between day and night? Yeah. So what happened was in the best way I can describe it is um, in a normal game, when you get a, a 45 to a 60 second shift, our shifts were between four and six hours, sometimes seven hours. Whoa. And we had, we had 20 players per team and those 20 players had to figure out how to keep that game going for, for uh, 11 days. So we would go out for, you know, our six hour shift, uh, get undressed and uh, get back to our trailer and uh, have a quick nap before getting back and, and getting on the ice. And it was, um, it was, it was pretty tough, but the weather, weather made it a, a hell of a lot more difficult. I'll tell you. So did you get, how many guys were, uh, on your shift at a time? Was it, did you have 10 guys you could just sub off or that kind of thing? Yeah. Good, good question. No, we had six, we had six players, five on the ice. We had one person that could warm up in a little heated room for about 60 seconds or two minutes before he went Next back guy. out on the ice and let everybody oh, wow. out. Yeah. So how did you keep your toes warm at that point? Like you had to keep moving. It's, it, it's darn near impossible. It was crazy. And, and the thing about it, it's, it's funny you bring up cold toes is, you know, you, you, your, your feet would freeze. We had, we had, uh, and I could send you pictures. Uh, it's disgusting, but we had, we had frostbite, we had blisters, we had swollen feet. But the thing about it was everybody's feet were swollen, but what happens when your feet are swollen, you can't fit in your hockey skates. So to get into your hockey skates, you had to, you had to resort to only one pair of socks. You couldn't, you couldn't wrap your blisters sometimes because then your feet wouldn't, uh, it was, it was a real nightmare when it came to the feet. So you had to keep icing your feet after these cold games and trying to keep the swelling down. And uh, it was, it was quite a circus. There's nothing more exciting than after playing hockey in minus 30, than coming off the ice and putting ice in your feet. That's so (laughs) counterintuitive, right? right? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, It was such a remarkable story. And uh, fundraising was like a million and a half and more Um, fundraising still, I believe was still going on for a little bit. So, um, you know, and back to trailers, like your own trailer, share a trailer, bunk up with somebody. I mean, even keeping the trailers warm must've been difficult. Well, you know, with all the COVID regulations, we had a, we had a laundry list of uh, rules we needed to follow. And, and one of the rules was you, you were only allowed one person per trailer. So we had 40 players, one per trailer. So we had 40 trailers up on the hill and uh, they were all hooked up to propane. They were all hooked up to generators. But the problem there was um, we had a couple nights of sub minus 50 temperatures with the wind chill. So our propane lines were freezing. Uh, the generators were shutting down because too many of the trailers were trying to turn on their space heaters, trying to keep warm. So I remember, for example, I, I got off the ice, uh, in the wee hours of the morning on one of those minus 50, I think it was minus 54. That was the coldest morning. And I remember getting undressed and, uh, walking up, up the hill to our trailer, uh, getting in the trailer and I had no heat. So, I had to go out to the generator and try and start it up. It would run for about 60 seconds, then shut down. And so I'd have to try it again until finally I, uh, I uh, ended up going back to the dressing room and putting my head up against the wall and, and falling asleep until my next shift. So that weather, I mean, it was one thing to play in, in really cold weather on the ice, but there was so much more uh, damage that that weather that weather did those temperatures were awful we had a we had a nice heated bathroom up by the uh up by our trailers it was uh it was there was lights it was heated it was awesome but it shut down wow and uh so you had to resort to you know those blue porta potties have you ever sat on a on a toilet seat with minus 50 
No, uh, like it was, it was hell, man. It's, I can't, I can't imagine. Whoa. No, man, it, was, it was awful and, and not to be graphic, but you tried to kind of hover over the toilet seat so you didn't have to sit down, but your legs were so sore from the hockey that you <laughs> eventually right. had no choice. Can't so, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of stories like that, that made the, uh, the event, um, very, very difficult to get through, but, but we got it. We got through. You did it. Wow. You pulled it off, man. And you know, I, I can't, I mean, Karen who called us to share this, we didn't catch this one in advance, ironically, which is too bad because, um, you know, because we were on all night, right. With everybody who was playing the game. So it would have been uh pretty cohesive and we're, we're going to make sure that we, we fix that for the future. The, the, the reality is though, is that there's an awful lot of people that stood there in scorekeeper boxes. I mean, there was, but I don't know what the final score was 1900 or something like that 1800. Like it was the people kept track of all that stuff too. Shots on net even was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think in past um, world's longest hockey game, uh, Guinness cancer fundraisers, there has been up to 800 volunteers. Well, this one with all the COVID regulations, we had, I think a dozen and these, these, uh, these people, I'll tell you, they're the true iron horses of this, of this game. Uh, you couldn't have officials on the ice. So we had to have four officials along the sides of the boards calling off sides and icing. And, and yeah, you're right, the scorekeepers and announcing who scored. And, you know, this, this had to take place outside. And, and they didn't get, they didn't get a, a little room to go warm up in for, for two minutes. I mean, sure, we had a little fire pit going for them, but it's... Um, when it's that cold, even that you're not going to stay warm. So, and the Zamboni drivers, that's another story. I mean, these guys were out every hour, every hour they, they came out. That's how it kind of worked. Every 60 minutes, the Zamboni would get out and uh, you would have 10 minutes to go in and warm up. But every single hour for 11 days, these boys were out there and they were cleaning the ice and uh, they did it with a smile on their face. They were so excited to be there. Well, and they're dealing with water, which makes that even more of a nightmare when it's that cold. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Wow. Um, yeah, like it, it's it's remarkable. I salute you and everybody else involved. Um, you know, you, you got a couple hundred goals almost, I think. Um, it was pretty great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I it was, was uh, I can't imagine being a goalie standing there. <laughs> you imagine that? You imagine, you imagine getting a slap shot in the palm? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's unthinkable just to even think about what happened, but you know, with the goalies and uh, all of the hockey players, our model was, uh, and, and not in so many words was, you know, we have a choice and, and everyone fighting cancer, they don't. Mm. And so we could have quit. I mean, sure. We could have went home and, and said, you know what, it's too cold, but you know, cancer patients and those fighting cancer, they don't have that choice. And, and when you walked in the dressing room, and you saw all the pictures that were hanging on the wall from all the players who brought pictures of loved ones that they, they lost or loved ones that they were, who were, who were fighting cancer currently. And, and even around the boards, um, pictures everywhere. Uh, you were so cold, but all you had to do was look over to the sides of the boards and see these pictures and it, and it kept you going. I, I have a line mate. Lance was, uh, was my line mate for, uh, for the entire 11 days and his, wife was at home battling you know brain cancer and 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 so it was just it was such an emotional ride as as cold as it was um as as painful as as it was um it was just it was so worth it um with all of the stories that you heard uh throughout those those 11 days it was crazy what does breakdown look like in that um meaning that i'm sure that a couple of the brothers at times i mean there would have been breakdowns there would have been leaning into each other you got this you can do this um, what does breakdown look like when you're in minus 30, minus 40 degree temperatures and um, you still got a couple hours to go in your shift? And I don't know if I could do this anymore. You know, you got, I'm, there's got to be tears and there's got to be leaning into a brother and saying, you know, I got you. What does breakdown look like in that? One of the volunteers were in charge of um, holding a microphone and vehicles were allowed to uh, drive by, honk their horn, and if they chose to say some words, um, the microphone was given to them, and they would speak while we were playing hockey. Uh, we would slow the pace down, but you weren't allowed to stop the game, but we would slow the pace down when somebody was to speak, and there was one particular morning, and sorry if I get a little choked up, um, a lady had shown up in the wee hours of the morning and had mentioned that um, uh, her eight-year-old son um, had passed uh, from cancer 
And this particular morning, uh, he had turned 17 years old. And I'll tell you, you, your balaclava is quickly filled with tears and it's sticking to your face. And, you know, it's, it was such an emotional thing. And, and, and the only thing you could do was keep playing hockey and give your, give your line mates a tap on the button and, uh, you know, put your arm around them and say, let's keep going, boys. We're almost there. So, you know, that, that happened throughout the, um, the entire 11 days, that particular story hit me pretty hard. Um, you know, so I, it's, it was just, it was just one of those things you had to, and yeah, there was, there was, there were times where there was, there was bickering on the ice, you know, people were getting grumpy people, you know, um, people were, were cold. People wanted to go back to their trailer and take a break because it was, um, it was pretty hardcore, but, but, um, but yeah, no, again, the, the, the stories we heard kept us going right, right through till the end. Yeah. Well, and you have kids. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So that, uh, that must hit you, um, you know, square in the square in the heart and right in the, right in the dad feels there. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, it's remarkable. I, um, I, I would like to bring you back on and talk about the, uh, what it takes to build a radio station. I think that that conversation is, um, is so valuable to so many people who listen to this, this medium every day. And I don't think anybody's ever brought into this conversation of what it takes to build a radio station, which you did. Like you quite literally started this with, Hey, I have this idea trying to talk Sonia into it and saying, by the way, it's going to cost us six figures just to do the research. Um, so I would like to invite you to come back in the next, a little bit here to do that. Um, yeah, Shane, I, Shane, say the word, man. I'll be here anytime, anytime. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, Troy Schaub and I met uh, when I was trying to sell him stuff and uh, trying to get him to get my uh, mix shows on the radio. We became fast buds, and uh, I really, really want to acknowledge how much I admire and respect what you've done in, for radio in general, um, for small town Lacombe, Alberta. And not only that, um, to find you on that roster – as a guy who's retired from it now, um, and to see that's where you're spending your time did not surprise me in the least. Well, thanks, man. And I want to acknowledge that. And, um, and so I, it's a real honor to, to be able to share this story with you. Well, Congratulations. And please, uh, you know, pass it on to your, your, your new friends from the hockey game. Um, <laughs> that, you know, we, I, we really enjoyed that conversation and I look forward to, uh, being around it in the future. I appreciate that anytime. Love it, Shane. Thanks. Great job. Uh, from Lacombe, he lives in Calgary now and played in the game in Sherwood Park, uh, Edmonton. Um, the world's longest hockey game. They've done it every year. It's a little bit longer every time, and they were over a million and a half dollars fundraised. Like, it's a big deal. And they did it outside in the minus 30, minus 35 temperatures, plus the wind chills that were blowing. 40 guys, he said. Six guys at a time. One sub for six hours. Take your turns. One sub. And the game can't stop. So they did it through all that for 11 days. It's remarkable work. Um, thank you to Karen who introduced us to this particular version of the game. Uh, thank you to Troy and for everybody else who participated. Troy's just one. That's only one of 40 stories, plus volunteers, plus so much more. It's the Shift Podcast. It's officially Throwback Thursday, friends. And for Throwback Thursday here on The Shift, we always sort of look at what's going on in the world and what do we want to share about Throwback Thursday. Well, uh, coming up, and in case you missed it, Ryan's going to highlight some huge news from the world of Nintendo with some new things. Blink Kylo had some Nintendo things, and here, because of the big Nintendo news coming up in an hour on the show, we're going to celebrate the best of all the Nintendos, throwing it back to 1985, one of the best ages in Nintendo's history. So, um, I think that that's the sound I make when I walk through the neighborhood. Like if somebody saw me walking along, that's the sound they would hear. Right, it was either that That's or John soundtrack. Travolta. Yeah, John Travolta with Night Fever, right from Saturday Night Fever. It's either that or Saturday Night Fever, depending on my swagger. So, in celebrating 1985, we've gathered some of the themes from the most classic and important Nintendo Entertainment System games of all time. So, we need to um, 
we need to see if you can guess 877-399-9898. You're going to have to be quick on this. You're going to have to let us know what's the game. Just from the sound. You ready for this? Matt, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First up, the theme for Mario's first rival. It's a love song. Does that help? Mm. All right. Any guesses? Anybody? Nobody? Nothing? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Da- darn it. <laughs> darn it. Well, it was a love story, and there was rolling barrels, and uh, you tried to climb up the little uh, beams to make your way to the top, because when you got to the top, there was a giant gorilla at the top. Donkey Kong. The Donkey Kong. The theme for Donkey Kong. All right, you can text him in, too, 877-399-9898. Um, dodging barrels, jumping on platforms, rescuing the damsel in distress. It's a little bit like Godzilla, right? Like it was a bit of a ripoff, but you know, that's okay. Uh, the hero and ape later would become two of Nintendo's most popular and recognizable characters. Donkey Kong is one of the most important games from the golden age of uh, arcade video games, as well as one of the most popular arcade games of all time. Thank you, Nighthawk Steve, by the way. Trucker Dan, Donkey Kong 2. Okay. Here's another. You ready? Got to text it in. What do you think it is? What's uh, Here's another Nintendo classic game. So can we talk about, because this game was a good example of how soft we are in video games today. So 877-399-9898, what is the video game that that theme song's from? Now this is an example, because this one you could kind of save yourself, uh, your progress a little bit. And it wasn't yep. like, um, it wasn't like Mario, where you'd go back. You got your three deaths, you go back. You got it right, you go back to the beginning. Unless you completed the whole level. You went back. In today's games, I mean, there's just whatever. You just regenerate. Like, that's nothing. Just regenerate. You're fine. There was no accountability. Um, Trucker Dan says that's one of Street Fighter. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Do, 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 do. Um, that was actually one of my um, that was one of my favorite games of all time, right there. The Legend of Zelda, released in 1996. It was one of the best games to ever be released in the 80s. Set in the fantasy land of Hyrule, the plot centers on an elf-like boy named Link, and he aims to collect eight fragments of the Triforce of Wisdom and Order. What is happening to rescue Princess Zelda from the antagonist? Ryan's waving uh, at me here, Ganon. Oh, we're just oh, tra- I- traveling through time with the years there. Yeah, I just... Uh... Uh, I, 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 I made, you know, typo. Okay. It wouldn't be yeah, a shift nine. show without a typo. Typo time. It, Zelda came out in 1986, not yeah. 1996. I know, but it's it came out in 1996 and it was one of the best games ever to be released in the 1980s. In the 80s. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's my version of history. We need Deal to, with it. We need to make like a, like a typo time kind of like. Oh, <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the most played stinger on the show. Ouch! <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. We love you. No, it's okay. It's part of my right. part of my persona, honestly. Throwback Thursday. Thank you, Aaron, for the Zelda. By the way, nailed it. Um, what else do we got here? We've got um, Eric says, "How does Trucker Dan drive safe while texting so much?" I think he uses talk to text, Eric. Thank you, though. That is why he does not phone. Okay, difficulty. Let's turn it up with your video game flashbacks. It's classic. Theme is weird. Let's get it. Donkey Kong. 
Technology in the mid '80s was different than it is today. <laughs> <That's> wild, <laughs> hey! Wow. Um, now I remember this as uh, definitely from the original uh, Nintendo. It was one of the coolest ones. It was called Excite Bike, contrary to um, this this little description here, which calls it Excite B by. Is one huh? foe the first class? Did I really type? Yeah, I did. Hey, did you see that? Oh yeah, yeah. I see it. Do you want to maybe read it? Because then you'll know what it says. Oh sure, sure. Yeah, nothing would bring me greater greater pleasure. Wow, I am becoming a typo myself. <laughs> this is incredible. Excite Bike is one of the first great racing games of all time. It was a critical and commercial success. It's been re-released a bunch of times. There's a Mario Kart 8 track that has it. Uh, you can play it online. And uh, that's what I was trying to say there. And we're going to leave it at that until we can get the typo button. <laughs> wow. Right? Um, yeah, crazy. Okay. Um, how about some action? Big classic. Throwback Thursdays. Cool accessories, too. Hit it. Okay, that gave it away. Um, that was pretty cool, though, right? Like, it was um, the technology so cool. with that, aiming the gun at the screen for duck hunt. I I shot a lot of ducks in my day. Did you? Let me tell you. You were you. a hunter? I was a duck hunter. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And, and um, I'm, my little dog out in the field, like, I would shoot them right out of the sky. Bark, bark, bam, bark. bam, bam. And... Bark, bark, bark. Remember his ears? Laugh. He yeah. His ears when you dump it, uh, when you dive into the bushes. Uh, duck hunt. Players use the NES zapper in combination with a CRT TV to shoot ducks that appeared on the screen. It was super high tech. It was basically like Fortnite in 1985. Exactly. Or 1997. Whatever. Um, uh, how about this? Uh, one of the best-selling games of all time. What's my name? Oh, it's Bob. That's that's like the per so, perfect soundtrack for when you're walking to the Seven Eleven. Right? Yeah, or walking home from the Seven Eleven after you picked up. Hello. Call yourself a date, couple of phone numbers, and a jalupa. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it just matters which game it is. That's really what that one breaks down to. Because there was no more eight-bit music that was more pleasant than the Super Mario Brothers. Which one was it, right? Well, Nighthawk Steve just literally, as I was about to say, great timing. Super Mario Three. That's the the very first Mario game I ever played was Super Mario Three, and it's perfect. Uh, Nighthawk Steve has nailed all of these games so far. By the way, I'd like yeah. to suggest on the um, on the uh, on the text line. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, I, I love it. Okay, so in 1985, big movies. Let's grab a couple of these quickly here. Um, classics releasing worldwide. Saturday morning cartoons. Play a little Mario. They might um, have gone to the theater to check this out too, as part of your spare time in the 80s. My dad told me all about him. See, when I really stole treasure once, and then he got into this cave, and he's been there ever since. Captain. You guys, just what if this map could lead to One-Eyed Willie's rich stuff? I'm setting booty traps. You mean booby traps. That's what I said, booby trap. I want to go home. Don't say that. Goonies never say die. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. if they released the Goonies today with all of the uh, race jokes and the sloth jokes and all the, right? Like, it could not be released today. Yeah, you'd be. have to really rebuild that movie from the ground up. But I think a lot of people see through it and celebrate that as a cult classic. And uh, so. it's one well, of my favorite like kid action movies ever. 
I mean, the reality is it was 1985, and that's the way it was written in 1985. doesn't make it right today, but still, the movie is a snapshot in time for sure. Breakfast Club, another big one with big names, too. Um, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald was like queen of the 80s. Uh, Ali Sheedy, teenagers, uh, all in their different cliques, all in the detention, waiting for the principal to give them trouble. So let's get a bit of a clip here on what's going on um, with... Oh, do we have a clip for it? Where's the clip? Is it gone? Do you have a clip? It is now ah, 7.06. You have exactly eight hours and 54 minutes to ponder the error of your ways. Any questions? Yeah. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? A brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a recluse. I can't believe this is really happening to me. Before this day is over, they'll break the rules. <coughs> Chicks cannot hold a smoke. That's what it is. Bare their souls. I'm a nymphomaniac. Are your parents aware of this? Take some chances. Being bad feels pretty good. Huh? And touch each other in a way they never dreamed possible. Why'd you do that? Because I knew you wouldn't. The Breakfast Club. Nice. Nice. Uh, share your crush, Maddie. You got to share your crush. Ali Sheedy, man, just the cutest in that movie. Awesome. Love it. It's the Shift Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan Type O'Donnell. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Type O'Donnell. I actually <laughs> like that. That's a typo. You know, <laughs> that's a typo that's yeah. a typo <laughs> for you my good man i embrace it i embrace it man uh i love it you know the nicknames can be born from many different places in life and i'll take that i will take that now Ryan. that's like, me like that one <laughs> yep <laughs> um man you know politicians a lot of them have an you know, an oopsie kind of moment. Doug Ford had one yesterday. Uh, Trudeau had blackface. Uh, Trump had four years of Trump. Uh, <laughs> you know, every every political leader has an oopsie moment. And uh, Boris Johnson, I mean, man, he's just an interesting man to watch. But uh, he uh, he made a very questionable joke. And uh, let's hear it. So let's hop on Twitter. It's the tweet of the day. Boris Johnson made a joke about OJ Simpson when putting on a glove while touring a COVID-19 vaccination center. Oh, really? Okay, so you can probably tell where this is going. I know, I couldn't believe it. So the microphone caught Johnson referring to the moment, you know, the moment. I didn't, I wasn't alive during the OJ trial, and I even know the moment when the glove, you know, uh, what what's the line? The if it's uh, if the glove don't fit, you can't acquit, right? Johnny Cochran, yep, Johnny Cochran. Well, uh, Boris Johnson was putting on a glove, a surgical glove, and he said this. I'm like OJ Simpson as he struggled to put on a blue glove. Now, look, the joke is a joke, but it's the prime minister of one of the most powerful nations on earth saying that. And it's just a little bit like jarring to hear that. I can see a, you know, a comedian saying that kind of thing, but Boris Johnson. Now the, the, the tweet thread of this was pretty spectacular. And somebody said, it's not awkward. It's funny for heaven's sake. Do we have to be super serious about everything? And somebody responded exactly. If you can't laugh about a double homicide, what can you laugh about? That was pretty much the whole trend, right? Just savage little burns here and there. So Boris Johnson, a never-ending uh, supply of uh, of humor from that one. Uh, but wow. 
hey, at least the UK is getting people vaccinated. You know, can't joke about well, that. There's that. That is true, isn't it? <laughs> they almost have like half of the population of Canada vaccinated already. Just saying. Yeah, it's insane. Well, my best friend is currently living in the UK, uh, schooling over there. And it's interesting hearing him compare what life is like there to what it is here. Yeah, uh, yeah. So now I, I want to jump to this quick because there's a lot of it. As we mentioned it, earlier in the show, we had our throwback Thursday to 1985 to celebrate the Nintendo Entertainment System. Well, the reason we did that was because on Wednesday, Nintendo hosted a massive news conference with a whole bunch of amazing news. So, yes, it comes from the most wholesome video game company. Let's hear it, Matt. Nintendo! <laughs> that was the intro from Mario Kart Double Dash Freaky. from the GameCube, which is the best. So, yes, Nintendo hosted a massive, it's called Nintendo Direct. Usually they tease them and everybody thinks a whole bunch of games are going to get announced and then they just, you know, talk about a, a small thing and everybody's disappointed. But man, not uh, not today. So there's too much for me to highlight. So I picked two things. The first is that The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword is getting HD remastered and it is coming to the Switch. It was originally released back in 2011. It is a very good Zelda game. It has all of the motion controls from the Wii, so slashing the sword and all that fun stuff. And they also added a button-only controller mode. Thank God. I hate motion controls. They're stupid. You know, it, I never got the gimmick. You know, it's fun every now and then for Wii Sports, for example. But if I'm playing oh, a sword game and I want to, like you know... Like, use the tennis racket yeah, handheld ones? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. In a tennis game, but when I'm playing Zelda, I want to actually be good at the game and not, you know, swing, swing, swing and have the controller mess up every time. Golf always felt weird, by the way. Like trying to golf with the little thing, it was weird. Yeah, right. Well, I actually have some golf news in a bit, but there's also some really cool, like if you're a Zelda nerd like me, there's also some crazy cool news that they launched on top of that when it comes to this game. Specially designed Joy-Con controllers. The right Joy-Con controller is themed after the Master Sword, while the left features a Hylian Shield motif. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, as the game depicting the earliest story in the Legend of Zelda timeline, details the events around the creation of the Master Sword itself. We hope that people who played the original game on Wii, and those playing it for the first time, will enjoy discovering the origins of the Legend of Zelda. Oh my god, they're so pretty. They're just this beautiful like royal blue with all the Zelda motifs all over them and you can already tell it's going to be impossible to pick up a set of these. Uh, fingers crossed because man, those are some good looking controllers. Uh, do they look as good as Ali Sheedy? I would say on a scale of Ali Sheedy to Master Sword, they fall... <laughs> And a Molly Ringwald. That's how good they look. Ooh, they're very good. Uh, I like my Joy Cons. For if you're not uh, familiar with Joy Cons, the Nintendo Switch has two controllers that attach onto it, and you can swap the colors. Mine are red and purple, so my Switch looks like a Toronto Raptors like OG color scheme, and I love it. Uh, so it's fun to play around with that and find new color schemes. Uh, so it's cool when they drop these special ones, but it's going to be so hard to find is times like these where I wish I still had my connections at EB Games, but uh, I quit the day after Boxing Day, and I don't think they like that very much, so I won't push Ooh. my luck. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least I worked on Boxing Day, okay? I'm not a total monster. Okay. Fair ball. Now, there's actually one piece of news that got me so excited. And uh, yeah, let's just hear the clip because I can't wait for this game. The fairway is open once again. Tee off on the latest installment of the Mario Golf series coming to Nintendo Switch. Study the wind and terrain. Take your time to think things through. Then swing. Ooh. Mario Golf is back, baby. Oh my word. I'm so excited. This game is like a fun game. You can play with your friends like on the Wii. It's great. And it's kind of like if you can't go play golf, you can do golf at home. And the best way to do it was with Mario. Crack open a tall boy, 
sit on the couch and put yourself in golf mode. And that's how I do it. And I cannot wait to play it on the Switch. Now, my only concern, Matt, is you can see on the Zoom call how tiny my room is. I'm worried that if I swing my controller, I'm going to completely destroy everything in here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, you can be, you know, in the comfort of your own home with your tall boy, just like hole in one and then just like, bam, shooter. Shooter. Thank you. I... I'm excited for this game. It's going to be kind of a classic, and uh, the, Nintendo makes a really good sports games, and they're a nice balance of arcade and uh, some realism too. Um, and the the interesting thing is that you can do motion controls or normal controls with uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. Uh, and the idea of this one is that the characters will like frantically rush from one hole to the next, and you get different power ups. And there's also a whole story mode with this as well. I can't wait. There's apparently a demo out. I checked on my Switch right before the show and it wasn't available. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that because I'm going to play it a bunch. Uh, but the game releases on June 25th. And as for Zelda, July 17th. Exciting. Right? Um, yeah. Now, speaking of exciting, what's your favorite new thing smell? You know, like new car smell. Like if you buy something, what's your favorite new smell? Do you know what car I'm talking about nice. here? Yeah, yeah car is top tier. Nice. Uh, trying to think the last time I got something new. <laughs> oh boy. New home smell is nice. Yep. Um I don't know. New salami. <laughs> it's better than old salami. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I was gonna say, like, you know, new uh when you buy a new DVD or or like Blu-ray or a video game, that mm. smells really good. Um, smells good. Well, I'll tell you what else smells good. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Let's play the intro. You know, like sneakers, I could identify. Converse, <laughs> Adidas. I know all that stuff. I know sneakers. eBay hmm. has created a new sneaker smell candle. Damn! Exactly. Yeah. Right? Okay, so eBay has recently gotten big into sneakers. They've started their own very much like StockX verifying and reselling service. And they're going ham. This candle, it, let me let me read you how they describe it because it made me kind of chuckle. Authentique is a luxury. Small batch candle fragrance with the scent of authentic new kicks with sneaker box inspired packaging and a 35 hour burn time now, what does it smell like? Well, formulated with input from our sneaker authentication experts, the candle leads with notes of warmed pebble leather and bursts of Ava foam, followed by hints of industrial glue and fresh-pressed textiles. Let the candle sit back and breathe in the intoxicating scent of unboxing a grail. Wow. That's romantic. Like getting a little, a little high off some glue. Uh, literally. Now, I can attest to this. The last pair of sneakers I talked about on the show that I bought were the Bodega Dunks. Those shoes are sw swimming in leather. And my room smelled incredible for a week. I purposely left them out of the box so that my room would smell like those shoes. I actually was going to buy this. And I was actually going to save this story until I had the candle and I was going to light it on air and tell you what it smelled like. Unfortunately... They sold out guess. instantaneously. Oh, it's it's arriving late? No, no. Uh, Laura's present arrived today, by the way. I just want to clear that up. Laura's gift <laughs> no, just, is here today. But I know, but I mean, if is not available. you would be out of integrity if you didn't buy yourself a present and even get it late for you. I know, eh? Uh, I, I, I've tried. It was only 25 bucks. I would have 100%. And also, when I was... Christmas Only twenty five bucks for a candle. Come on, man. Can, listen here, though. When I went to uh, oh, Chapters man. to get a candle for my mom, they were like forty bucks, which okay. is stupid. It's a candle, want, man. Oh, you, dude, go to Winners or HomeSense. They've got all those exact same candles for like seven bucks. Okay, good point. But I'm just saying, I really, really want this eBay candle. I'm just super curious. Oh, so if you manage to get this candle, hit me up. I will buy it. And what I'm kind of curious is 
eBay sold it through themselves. I bet when people get these in hands, they will resell them on eBay for like for $100. For <laughs> oh, I guarantee it's going to happen because this is the world that I've chosen to live in. Yeah. I, at least it doesn't smell like old sneakers. Right. Yes. See, that would be yeah. a cool, that would be a good candle, right? Because there's like been some gross candles made for some controversial smelly yes. things. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, we went yes. back to that. Yes. That was, um, no, we're not going back to that. Just no, say we're it. not. No. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm okay to, I'm okay to pass that up. But you know, man, new, uh, but Ali says my runners, not so much. Yes. Keyword there is new sneakers smell great. Not that used. Runners. Yikes. All right. In case you missed it right there with um, Typo Donnell. That was good, Matt. Typo Donnell. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.